God bless you. Yeah, I really took the uh, name of uh, Admiral and I decided to hold on to it. It was the jacket. Actually, I thought about bringing it up this year. I was going to wear it and just, uh, just uh, you know, something like that, you know. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm better off with it. I was, I was in Mexico on a mission trip several years ago. I may have told you this. I don't know. But I was uh, sitting there. They're having lunch in the uh, kitchen or in the um, auditorium. They're having lunch. And uh, I'm sitting there. And all the kids, all the kids start gathering around me. Now, the missionary's son, he was bilingual. He could speak English and uh, Spanish. And so I'm sitting there. And all these kids, they're fighting to sit next to me. I think, man, these kids love me. This is great, you know. And uh, I looked at him and he smiled. He said, they think you're Santa Claus. <laughs> and I said, little creeps, you know. And then I thought to myself, you know, or, or it's just not long ago. It's only been about a month, maybe a month ago. I was uh, walking through, Jake and I were walking through a department store. And uh, I believe it was Walmart. I will never shop there again. And I was walking by and one of the workers walked by and said, grow that a little bit more. You'd be Santa Claus. Isn't that awful? That's terrible. But brother, I have to tell you, you remind me of Colonel Sanders. I'm just saying. When's the last... <laughs> hold it. Hold it. <laughs> yeah. It's not Colonel Sanders. I'm the snowman from A Year Without a Santa Claus. <laughs> so, I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, I thought, when's the last time this church ever had Colonel Sanders followed up by Santa Claus? Amen. What an interesting thing. All right. Hey, listen, that was a blessing, and uh, I thought as I was sitting there, and I'm dead serious now, I thought as I was sitting there about the verse in the book of Hebrews 5, for the time that you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. You know what that follows? He said, I have many things. He wanted to talk about Melchizedek. He said, I have many things to say about him. He said, but it's going to be hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. I suspect in Brother uh, Alter, uh, Alter's ministry, I suspect that he goes to churches where sometimes what he has to say is hard to utter. Because sometimes we haven't been the students we ought to be of the Word of God. Amen. That's needed. Uh, I enjoyed last night. What a blessing. I, I enjoyed both messages. Uh, Brother Marshall appreciated your message this morning. But when uh, Brother Wells preached, really, I've struggled. And I guess I've been listening. Every preacher, I guess, says this, I suppose. But I've struggled. Um, you know, it used to be I, you want to have a couple of messages to pull out. But you'd, you'd like to be in tune with how Lord leads the, the, the meeting and that. And so... I've settled on this one, and I pray the Lord would use it. I'd ask you to take your Bibles, and I will be quick. I will be. Obviously, you have no idea what that means, but I will be quick, all right? And uh, it's, it's bad. You follow two guys, you're going to be the third guy, and you're right before lunch. And talk about eyes glazing over. It happens, all right? And so, but you, uh, I, I agree with what your pastor said. Um, this food is more important than that food. Right. And we came here for this food, amen? Yeah. Uh, I, I'll have to leave. My wife and I will have to leave tomorrow after the morning session. I hate it. I don't want to. My mother broke her hip. My aging mother broke her hip back in March, and she can no longer live by herself. She's moved in with us. We have family watching her for about three days while we're up here, but I would love to be able to stay. So help me. I really would. And uh, But so far, I told Brother Marshall, I said, I'm really praying that the best messages are at the beginning of the week, purely selfish. And uh, they have been a blessing. They really have. Find First Kings chapter 13, would you please? Find First Kings chapter 13. 
I always worry when I go somewhere, a lot of these guys, I'll write down, I preach this here and I preach that there. I do it too about half the time. And so half the time I'm wondering, where did I preach this message? And I'm not doing it because I've preached it before. I'm doing it because I really believe it's what we, uh, what the Lord would have us here. If you found first, or first Kings chapter 13, the Bible says, And behold, there came a man of God, verse 1, out of Judah, by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense, and he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burnt incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt there upon thee. You know that story, and you know what's going on there. You know that that's a prophecy of Josiah, what's going to take place. Uh, but God sends this man, and for the sake of time, I'd like you to drop down with me. Just look in verse, um, well, you know what, I can't even break it up. Let's just continue on, okay? And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are there are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on the altar. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it uh, in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again. It came, and it became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the, the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned, not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt a, a, an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father, and their father said unto them, what, went, what way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? He said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I will not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, and he, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you for this dear uh, pastor and these brethren that have ministered the word. Uh, Lord, help me. And I know when I'm reading my Bible and going through some of the passage they've gone through, I'm going to be reminded, Lord, of what they've said. The seed's been sown in me, and I thank you for that. I pray, Father, that you'd bless the, the time we've got this morning. May we put out uh, anything out of our heads. I pray, Lord, I'd say what you want me to say. I pray that I wouldn't you know, run off on rabbits or stuff like that, Lord. I just want to be able to, to, to just give everybody what you gave me. So uh, I, I don't even remember when, Lord, I saw this, but it scares me. And I pray tonight that you'll scare, or this morning, that you'll scare all of us with it. It's a good scare. It's a good fear. So Holy Spirit, please do a work, I pray. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a verse, we won't turn there at this time, but it's in 1 Corinthians 9.27. The Bible says this, Paul said, But I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I should preach to others, I myself should become a castaway. That'd be a bad thing, don't you think? Wouldn't you think it'd be a bad thing to be someone that ministers the Word of God only to finish the race shipwrecked? Here in this passage, you're familiar with the story. You know how that the man sat down and ate with him, this, this prophet, uh, sat down with the old prophet, ate and drank with him. And then the prophet, the old prophet, begins to speak truly by the word of the Lord. And he said, thus saith the Lord. He said, God said you shouldn't have done this even though I said it. And now you're going to die. And of course, a lion rent him on the way as he was leaving. You know that story. I don't know why, but I always thought it was a young prophet. Actually, I know who it is. It's a, it's a Ido now. If you were to find Second Kings, don't. But Second Kings 9 will tell you. He was the one that prophesied against Jeroboam, the Bible says. And so he's not necessarily a young prophet, which I always thought he was. I always called him the young prophet. But clearly, without question, the text, there's an old prophet there. And so because of that, I've always looked at this as he's younger than this old prophet. I suspect like Elihu was younger than the aged men that were friends of uh, Job that stood around and spoke to Job. We have the same situation. One old, one is younger for the sake of the message. We're going to go ahead and uh, take it as the young prophet and the old prophet. And the young prophet, what happens is he loses his ministry as well as his life on this day. No matter what he did before then, no matter what he accomplished, he wrote books according to Second Chronicles 9, but no matter what happened, it was finished right here. The young prophet, he loses ministry. It wasn't that he was an old prophet. This old prophet who I'm going to talk about for a little bit this morning. But it wasn't that he was old. That wasn't the bad thing. The fact is, is old prophets are needed. Old prophets, old saints, gray hair, as long as you get them in the way of righteousness. The Bible speaks very positively about that. We need some old men, not just old men. Age itself doesn't mean you're wise. Elihu reminds us of that. But if you have spent time in the Word, and you've studied to show yourself approved, and you've spent time uh, feasting on the Word of God, and having the Spirit of God ministering to your life, if you've walked in the light as He is in the light, and had fellowship with Him, and you've gotten old doing that, you are a valuable commodity to saints today. Nothing wrong with being an old prophet. Old prophets are needed. One of the judgments of God on the uh, Judah the children of Judah was, he said, children will rule over you. And the ages of the kings began to drop until one day they were bowing down to an eight-year-old. There's no slight on a young man in the ministry at all. I was 27 when I took the church. I was, I was pastoring people twice my age. I pastored my youth director, my former youth director. And I'm not saying, God bless these young men that are surrendered to preach. We need more, Amen. amen. But just because, just because they're young, 
That's not a slight. It's not a bad thing. Yet age itself doesn't mean wisdom. There's a lot of lessons we can learn from these two guys, this old prophet and this young prophet. I want to just say a few things this morning, just give you a real kind of a short message about four different thoughts I have. But can we say this? As we look at this text and we look at the story, we find out that the young prophet sat down. He sat down. Now, we wouldn't think anything about that. Maybe there's, you know, actually, historically, maybe there's nothing really about that. But I know this, Eli did too, the high priest. And I don't know about you, but if God said, don't eat there and don't drink there and go, you know, go out another way, I suspect I wouldn't go hanging around there real long. Maybe he got tired, maybe he got weary, whatever. But I thought to myself, I thought, if you hadn't sat down, maybe the old guy wouldn't have caught up with you. Because one of the worst things that happened is the old guy caught up with him and it ruined his ministry and it cost him his life. Yeah, sitting down. I'm not saying there's anything necessarily bad with sitting down, but I know that Abraham went into Egypt and he only went there to sojourn. I know that Lot went down to Sodom to sojourn, and before you know it, he's got an entire family down there. And Naomi and Elimelech, they went to Moab, the Bible says again, to sojourn. You know what sojourn means? It means just to stay for a little while. I wonder if you're like many Christians, if you've decided at one point you thought you were just going to step out for a little while, retire for a little while, you know, from church or attending, if you were going to, you know, quit, uh, quit going on visitation for a little while. I know this, I was just talking to uh, Josiah and we were before the service, really enjoyed conversation with him. We were talking about COVID. And you know what COVID did? It gave all the churches just a reason to stop. When it's over, we'll get back with it. But you know, many have never got back with it. He sat down. The warning is you better watch sitting down. That's what he did. Some who have been saved, they've had time with the Lord. They spent time with the Lord. They've, 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 they've lost ground. Like it says in the book of Hebrews. It says, the time you ought to be teachers. You have one need that one teach you. You know what the next word is? Again. You don't really lose ground though. You just quit moving forward. If you quit moving forward as a Christian, you're inevitably going to go back up. You say, why? Because there is no just sitting still and going nowhere. You're going one way or the other. Yeah. I'm not talking about a pause or a valley or a struggle you're going through. I'm talking about a surrender, a coasting, or when our Christian life becomes kind of autopilot. I'm talking about getting stuck. I was at somewhere here not long ago with the Rogers family, and they, they sang that song, I forget what it was, uh, where Brother Rogers begins to sing, and he says, lately I've, uh, you know, talking about some struggles. And he said, and I'm sitting there listening, and I've heard a thousand times the song, and they sang it, and he said, uh, it seems like a detour. And you don't know this, and, and uh, matter of fact, probably my wife knows this, but there's certain things in my life, as far as my Christian life, that it feels like for a couple of years. Have you just ever felt like that you got into this stagnant place? And I hate that. And you say, how do I get out of this? And some don't. And the first thing you got to do is sit back and say, God, I don't like where I'm at. I just don't seem to be getting anywhere. I don't seem to be going anywhere. What's wrong? What's wrong? Well, thank God for those that pray it because there's multitudes that don't. The old prophet. 
I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about the old prophet, just for a second. The old prophet, he used his status to override what God himself said. I can't go with you. God told me not to. Yeah, but an angel said. I thought it was interesting in the Bible. You know, one of them claims God told him. The other one was going to claim an angel told him. But he listened to what the old man said. You say, why? Because we've been taught to respect our elders. And this guy's older than I am. Even Elihu said, I said age should speak. There's nothing wrong with respecting leadership. There's nothing wrong with respecting age. And you young people listen to me because we have a young prophet here and we have an old prophet here. And the young prophet ruined his life because he listened to the old prophet. Oh, there's the lesson. Don't listen to the old prophet. That's not the lesson. The lesson is, is don't ever let anyone override what God showed you. Don't let anyone override what the Bible says. That's where we get in grave error. That's where we make the grave mistakes. The old prophet, it was his status. The old saints certainly to be respected, but not above the word of God. And the problem was, is the old prophet lied. The old prophet built up his position. The old prophet, you know what it looks like to me? I'm just going to tell you what it looks like to me. It looks like the old prophet. We don't know what he did before. We don't even know what his name is. Maybe he's one of the ones named in the Bible. We don't know. We don't know how many missions he went on, how many preaching uh, trips he went on. We don't know how many people were influenced by his ministry. We have no idea. All we know is right here, he's an old prophet, and he's got boys, and it looks like he's got a homestead. Look, I, nothing wrong with homesteads, but you know, he's got uh, ass, and he's got this, uh, uh, this farm, and he's got his kids. And the kids come home and say, Dad, you should have been there today. The, the, uh, uh, Jeroboam's there and there's a preacher came out uh, and he showed up and he preached against the altars and Jeroboam was going to wring his neck until his arm shrunk up and, and then he prayed for him and his arm went back it was amazing and the old man says this he says where'd he go where'd he go you know I see the old prophet as every Christian listen to me I see him as a guy that used to be available for God, used to be serving God, used to be preaching the word of God, but he's gotten old and he's just settled down to live life. There's a lot of Christians like that. It used to be we were on fire. It used to see, be that church was the centerpiece of our week. That the saints were our fellowship. It used to be that. But now it's just life. We've all got bills to pay. That's just a, a thing of life. But it's not that. It's just that the things of life have caught us. The Apostle Paul said over in the book of Acts, they're trying to keep him from going to Jerusalem. He said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy. Josiah and I were talking, talk COVID, there was a group that didn't come. You know, everybody left. They, all, they left the churches. Do you know the group, the primary group, the greatest number, the group of the greatest number that did not return? It was baby boomers. It was my age. 
I told him, he said, that surprises me. And I said, initially it did me too. I said, but I got to tell you, I think I understand it. You say, why? Because they sat in church and they had their pew and they had their Bible and they sang the songs and they put their tithe in and they went home and they came back and they did it again and it just become a ritual that we do and break the ritual up and one day there's nothing to go back to. The old prophet You get stuck. That's a thing of life, but then you get comfortable. And one day you turn an 11-day journey into a lifetime of failure. 11-day journey. Deuteronomy 1, there's 11 days between Sinai, Horeb, and Kadesh Barnea. They turned an 11-day journey into 40 years. Elimelech and Naomi, they turned it into a husband that died and two boys that died, and I'm returning to my homeland with my daughter-in-law. I hope I've painted the picture to you. This old, pro- this young prophet, man, he had some fire. <laughs> he did. I mean, you gotta, you, you gotta appreciate a guy that would stand up, uh, before the king that could have his throat and sit there and point and preach like he preached to him. Man, did he ever believe in the power of God? God, I'll preach it. You take care of me. It doesn't seem like he even faltered over it. How many would love to have that kind of boldness when it comes to being a witness? He had it, but he lost it. And he lost it because of the old prophet. Now, I want you to know this. The old prophet is not just an old preacher, an old evangelist, an old missionary. The old prophet is a picture of any saint. Any saint that used to have... And I thought about this. How far have you gotten since you've been saved? Brother Alter got up and he taught about the King James Bible and, and, and Pastor got up and he said, you know, I know some of those things you didn't understand. That, and I, I believe that. And you know what? That, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't stay there. There's nothing wrong with being ignorant of Scripture, but don't stay there. That's your weapon. That's our sword. We ought to be experts at it. We ought to know it better than the Jehovah's Witness know it. We ought to know it better than the Mormons know it. We ought to know it better than the devil knows it. And the only way you do that is you get into it. You can't say, thus saith the Lord, until the Lord says... I love Amos. Amos wasn't a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But he is a picture of what every believer needs. You know, he preaches up there, and it must have been a great message because no one liked it. And so he gets up there and he preaches, and they say, look, won't you go to Judah? You preach there. Don't preach here because it's the king. He said, look, he said, I wasn't a prophet nor the son. I was a gatherer of sycamore fruit. But the word of the Lord came unto me. And you look and listen. I'm not trying to be mean here whatsoever, but I've preached to enough, I preached enough in my life, and I've known Christians enough in my life to know this is very true. Just because you've memorized Scripture doesn't mean the word of the Lord's come unto you. And just because you read your Bible doesn't mean the word of the Lord's come unto you. He was able to say, God spoke to me. God gave me a message. The reason I want to preach this message is because... I don't want to become an old prophet. 
You know what a prophet is. You know what an old Christian, you know, you know what an old saint is. All you've got to do today, here's someone, we had someone won to Christ last night. Praise God for that. Amen. All right. The sad fact is, and I mean this towards, how, how can I mean it toward anybody here? I don't even know you. But the sad fact is, one of the most dangerous terrains he has to navigate is possibly getting hooked up with an old saint that's going to suck every bit of joy out of his life, every bit of zeal out of his life, every bit of drive out of his life. That's an old prophet. The old prophet is death to, new, to young prophets. The old saint can be death, and I don't want to become one. And if you want to know the truth, there's been times in 37 years of my pastorate where I've thought, Lord, I feel like that I'm just kind of drying up. But you've got to put the image on, and you've got to look right, and you've got to sound right. And here you're empty on the inside, but don't you give a hard time to preachers, because it's in the pews too. The old prophet. And so this morning, all I want to do is I want to give you four simple... This is a super simple message. You won't even write it down. You can remember it, all right? I'm going to give you four ways to prevent becoming an old saint. How many understand the old saint I'm talking about? The one that's death to young saints. The one that draws the life out, that sucks the life out. You could be a Christian for 30 years, 40 years. You could be a church member for 30 years, 40 years. That means nothing. We don't know how old this guy was. We don't know how long he'd been a prophet. All we know is, is he'd have been better off. That young prophet had been better off never to have met him. You know what I, I find sometimes is I find sometimes when you're in the ministry, not even if you're in the ministry, what, what you want to do is you want to get around guys that got it. Does that make sense? Guys that got it. You want to kind of rub shoulders with them. I think that's the old prophet. I think that's why he said, go, where'd he go? You say, why? Because he remembered being there once. He remembered doing that once. No wonder Peter said in 2 Peter 1, he said, I think it good that I stir you up by way of remembrance. Do you remember? Remembering is good. How do you avoid becoming an old prophet? I'm going to give you the four points, but I'm telling you what, the part of this verse, a part of this message really bothers me. Can I ask you a question? If, if a young believer began to hang around you, Jesus, he said he had ordained the twelve that they should be with him, and they were with him. And they saw him heal people, and they saw, and they saw people come to him. He said, Look, here, here's it, just follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And I've thought to myself, and I'm being super transparent right now, I've thought to myself, if I had a young man recently saved, and he followed me, what would he become? What if that young man followed you? Wives, if, if there was a young wife began to follow you, would she be the better for it? Husbands, if there was a young, a young husband that began following you, would he be the better for it? Christian, if there was a young Christian following you, would, would it produce zeal in them, excitement, or would we just kill it? I'm going to give you four simple, four simple points on how not to become. Everybody here can use them. There's nothing new in these points. They're just a lot of times things unused in these points. First of all, I'd tell you this. If you don't want to become an, an old prophet, don't quit 
getting. Don't quit getting. Yeah. Getting something from the Word of God, getting something from Himself. It's the reason I preach today. It's the reason. <laughs> I, was, I grew up in church. I got saved at six years old. And from six years old to 20 years old, I never heard God speak to me out of His Word because I never gave Him a chance to speak out of His Word. But at 20 years old, in, the, in a disaster of life, I sat down and I wanted God to speak to me. I wanted to hear this God that said He saved me. And I could take you, we could go back to the house. I just stopped by on the way not long ago. I was up that way and just swung in, pulled in, and I looked at it. And I remembered. Oh, man, I remembered. Has that ever happened to you? Has God ever given you something personally? I'm not talking now. There's nothing wrong with studying the doctrines you need to. There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible you need to. But sometimes I just need God to give me something personal, something meant just for me. That's why I preach. That's why I'm in the ministry. So what now that I'm in the ministry, am I not going to need that? Don't stop getting. Getting something from God through His Word is what changed my life. It's why I'm in the ministry. Getting something from God, you would call it fresh oil, or you call it new showbread or daily manna. Yesterday's foods seldom taste as good. Anybody here try to heat up old pizza what happens to cheese what happens to it I mean when you first got it with it and it just kind of strung out there and dropped and I shouldn't be doing that it's lunch next I'm sorry all right but it just kind of drops down like that and you stick it in the oven you come out and now you got this stuff that honestly you could probably use in a building contract you know somehow building something what happens to that stuff no, no leftovers. We always do it. You know, sometimes we'll come home and, hey, listen, we've got a bunch of leftovers in, in the... <laughs> when you get leftovers, not only is the food not as good, but you mix things that were never meant to be mixed. Isn't that the case? We have pizza and we have tacos. Here not long ago, my, my wife made something. It was some Indian dish or something like that. I, I, I thought I was going to like it because it was butter. Was it butter chicken? Tiki chicken? What is it? What is it? It's, it's something. I don't know. It was something like that. But it was Indian. And so we got that out. And then we had tacos and we got that out. And we got pizza and we got that out. And you say, well, you, I ate all of it. And it fought within my stomach. There was a war going on. Now that may be funny, but I got to tell you something. A lot of that is just like our Bible reading. I need something fresh. I need him to speak to me today. You need him to speak to you today. And boy, we go day in, day out, day in, day out. And eventually all we have, listen, all we have, please listen to this. Sometimes all we have are old illustrations, old stories, old things he showed us. It's all old. And I've been there. And when you're there, you're on your way to becoming an old prophet. Don't stop getting we're not careful we're going to reach the point where we level off I ask people sometimes I said I was with a missionary if I gave the name you might know him I don't know but we he was getting ready to go over to the field and we had lunch I said come by we'll have lunch together we sat down and he, and his question to me it just really impressed me his question impressed me we sat down he said so brother Greer what are you studying on right now what if someone asked you that today is there anything on your plate? Is there anything in the oven? Is there anything on the stove right now? 
Because I'm telling you, some people, what are you studying on? And there's this, this lump in their neck. They're thinking, what am I going to say because I don't have anything? You know what we're like sometimes? You know what we're like? And, they, and we're on our way to becoming that old, that old prophet. We're like that man in the parable. He has a man friend visit him, and he goes to his neighbor, and he knocks at the door, and he said, hey, he said, get up and give me some bread, for a friend of mine has come by, and here's the convicting phrase, and I have nothing to set before him. Man, you ought to leave your house and say, God, if someone were to ask me today, do I have to? You say, I've got the gospel, and I agree, I agree, but you know what? How about a saint that needs encouraged, or a saint that needs to be directed? We all ought ought to desire to have something from God that we can give to somebody else. You want to be, you want to, you want to protect yourself from becoming an old prophet? Don't, don't quit getting. I'm talking about personal food right now. Getting something fresh, found in regular Bible study, Bible reading, that's good, study the scriptures, but I'm talking about personally getting something for you. You know, David said in Psalms 51, restore in me the, the joy of thy salvation, uphold me with thy free spirit, then... Then I'll teach transgressors thy way. Then I'll help somebody else. Then I'll give to somebody else. And I'm afraid what we've got is we've got empty vessels today that are trying to go out and give something to somebody else that are just as empty as they are. Sometimes you come across somebody and they've got a joy that you used to have and they've got an excitement you used to have. And you remember and you just want to get around them. Nothing really to say, you just want to get around and say, not even rubbing off, you're just remembering. And while you try to fulfill your need with their relationship, if you're not careful, you begin to suck them dry. It may not sound like a nice message, but you can't deny it's not true. Don't quit getting, I'll give you another one here. Don't quit growing. I believe, my opinion is, listen, there are, there are three, three steps of Christian growth, or three areas, if you would. There's upreach, there's outreach, there's inreach. Inreach is the church ministering to the church. Upreach is me and the Lord, and outreach, you know what that is. And there needs to be a balance in those things. And we get real good. Today we've got, today is the day of the deeper thinkers. Deeper, deeper, deeper. And I find the more deep I get sometimes, the less I do for God. Because my Christian life becomes just knowing something I didn't know and knowing more than I didn't know and become very heady and high-minded while the world goes to hell. Which is worse, the one that has great zeal to tell someone how to be saved, but they can't, they, they don't know all the doctrines. I'm not suggesting one above the other, but I, both would be good together, but is it... Any better just to know all the doctrines and tell no one? Don't stop getting and don't stop growing. Growth requires some things. Jesus ordained the twelve that they should be with him. And with him they received questions that made them think. And with him their personal lacking was revealed. And with him they were rebuked and he taught them. And more than one time he put them in a storm. Say why? Because I'm going to be leaving someday. When I do, I'm turning it over to you. And you've got to reach a world. And you're not going to reach the world unless you're taught and trained. So you need some storms. So there's, there's storms in life. That's all part of the growth process. 
God's looking not just for some children of God. He's looking for some maturity out of us. I do believe with all my heart that the doctrine of perfection is absolutely ignored today in Christianity across the land. Look how many times Paul brought it up. Look how many times he discussed it. You know what, you know what perfection is? I'm not talking about in sin. I know as long as I'm in the flesh, I got sin. And when I would do good evils presently, I get all that stuff. But you know what perfection is? I said for several years, I think the best verse on perfection is over in Hebrews where it says that, he, that, that the Father, through suffering, perfected the captain of our salvation. Now you tell me where Jesus Christ needed perfection. Was he not perfect? That's a pretty easy question. Was he not perfect? Just want to make sure you're with me. You know where his perfection was? I think I've said this here before. His perfection is still true. His perfection, God the Father knew that when you go to Calvary and you die and you're buried and you get up and you ascend up, you're ascending up to an office that you've never had. You're ascending up to an office of a high priest. And Aaron was the high priest, the Old Testament high priest, but he had, and I'm not saying this in any, any uh, sacrilege at all, but if you would, but Aaron had something that Jesus didn't have until he went through his earthly ministry. If you let me say it like that. Aaron could have compassion on them. So the Bible says that he was tempted in all points like as we are. Why? So we might have a high priest who can be touched. And so the father said, son, you're perfect, but I've got to perfect you. Why? Because there is a job I want you to do. I believe that one of the greatest lackings today in churches is the teaching that we as Christians, he wants to perfect us. He wants to make us and fashion us. There's things we have to have chipped off. And when it comes back, you know, the Bible does that. Listen, uh, one of the favorite verses, become a favorite verse of mine, is over in 1 Corinthians 4.1. He said, it's a small thing I'm judged of you. Paul said to Corinth, watch. He said, I don't judge myself. He said, for I know nothing by myself. It's the Lord that judges me. Can I tell you something? You don't even know what's wrong with you. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I know one that does. And if I'll enter into the word, the light, what do you think it says over in 1 John? If we walk in the light as he is in the light. You know how he's in the light? God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so I walk in the light and guess what the light does? It shows me me and thereby he perfects me. You know what that is? That's growth. Let me tell you something. Listen, I, I'm going I'm to hurry. I, I, I got two more, but I, I want to tell you something. When it comes to perfection, a whole lot of arguments in home be taken care of if two people decide to let the Lord Jesus start perfecting them. A whole lot of fights in church would be eliminated if people would start letting the Lord perfect them. You know, where cometh wars and fightings among you? Is it not from lust that wars within your members? Hey, Christian, there is a war going on in you. There's a war going on in me. God is seeking to make me someone. (laughs) He's seeking to make me someone that doesn't cause problems. At least not for the brethren. Hey, kids, he's seeking to make you something, someone that doesn't cause problems. At least for your mom and dad. Hey, husband, he's seeking to make you someone that doesn't cause problems. You know what I'm saying? You know I'm getting by that? Christ-likeness. He's seeking for someone. Jesus had no problem drawing a crowd. Jesus had no problem reaching people. Why? Because no man ever spoke as this man. They ever say that about you? 
They ever say it about me? I don't want to be an old prophet. I don't want to be someone who becomes dangerous for a young Christian to hang around. And so God help me. How many of you always like to read your Bible and your mind be a million miles away? That's not helping me at all, Lord. I want to get something. And Lord, I want to grow. I want to be more than what I am for your glory, Lord. I'll give you the third one. One, don't stop getting. Number two, don't stop growing. And number three, don't quit going. At some point in his life, the old prophet became a homesteader. I'm a prophet like you are. Here's this, we call him a young prophet. I'm a prophet like you are. Now, if the guy was thinking, he probably said, then why did God have to get me to come to your house? Why did God have to get me to come to your neighborhood? We all want to look like what we want to look like, but that guy was not a prophet like that young prophet. He used to be. And so when it comes to reaching Jeroboam, when it comes to reaching that tribe, God gets a man that still has some fire in him, still has some love for the Lord in him, still has zeal in him, even though there was a prophet that was down there. Hmm. Don't stop. I, I thought to myself, we, we listen, uh, you know, preachers, it's, it's with, with me. It's got to be more than me telling you what the Bible says. It's got to be something that I practice. Christian, it's got to be more than you just telling what God said. It's got to be something. Use the word. Don't just know it. Use it. How's it changed your life? What's it made you do that you otherwise would not have done? What's it turned you into that otherwise you would not have been? I'm afraid we've got more old prophets today than we have young prophets. Don't stop getting. Don't stop growing. Don't stop going. I'll just give you a simple last one. Don't quit grooming. I thought about not saying grooming because it didn't have a good connotation these days. But Jesus took 12. Jesus took 12 and they were with him. And they walked with him and they shared the ministry with him and they went through the storms with him. And while he was here, he said, I'm the light of the world. But at one point, he's getting ready to leave out and he said, now you're the light of the world. And if they're going to see me, they're going to see it in you. And all, You should go over and read some of those John and, and, and Peter. And John got it, man. John got it. First John, you know First John? How many notice the new commandment, the new commandment? You know what the new commandment is? He says, I've loved you, so love one another. And if you'll look at John chapter uh, 15 and 16, and you'll look over at First John, you'll figure out John was influenced by that. And what he did is he took it and gave it to someone else. Is that not the order? Paul said to Timothy, the things that you've heard of me amongst many witnesses, commit that of faithful men. 
I'm going to give it to you. You're going to give it to somebody else, and they're going to give it to somebody else. We're not talking. Here's here's what I think. I, I really do believe that we've got discipleship, if you want to use that term. I think we've got it kind of messed up. I think it's a lot more involved than we think. We turn everything into a class. We turn everything into a class. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's take a class on that. We turn it into an academic, but it wasn't an a- academic with Jesus and the Twelve. They were with him, and I do believe, with them. Oh, you're talking about disciples. What am I supposed to? Am I supposed to take them with them? Are they supposed to be with me? Yeah. There's a fella. It's not even discipleship. Zion, who I'm talking about, a young man last year came through to need some help, and I sat down and talked with him. <laughs> if anybody got a short end of the stick on a mom and dad, he got it. His mom taught him how to use drugs. Boy's 33 years old. He's borderline illiterate. My heart went out for him. So I, I, we helped him out, and, but I was, you, you just don't throw money at someone to help him out. And I said, I, I, he said, he said, I just need some help. I said, I know. And I said, I'd like to help you. I said, but uh, I, I told him this. I said, but I have no intentions on helping you in your problem. I said, what I'm going to do is help you out of it. What does that mean? Oh, man, you're talking about frustrating. I said, you got to come to church. He'd come to church. He'd try to dress up. And sometimes my heart would wrench for him, and sometimes I wanted to choke him around the neck. He didn't have a cell phone. You got him a job. No one can contact him, so I bought him a cell phone. A couple of days later, a strange number. I answer it. Hi, uh, listen, I lost your phone. I said, all right. Do you have another? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have five that I sit around just to give to somebody. That's what I felt like. I didn't say that. I had tried my elderly mom. I had bought her two over the years, hoping to get her, and you cannot teach an old dog new tricks. She was not going to use a cell phone. I said, hey, Mom, look, I got this guy I'm working with. You care if I take one of those phones? I'll put a new SIM chip in just to give it to him. I don't want to spend more money on No, that's fine. She never uses it. And so I do it. I said, okay, look, here it is. I said, it's got 30, 30 days on it. After 30 days, you've got to put money on it. That'll, that'll get you a phone so you can contact me. I'll contact you. You can contact your boss, blah, blah, blah. I am not And then he calls me 34 days later. Hey, hey listen, I, I, can you put 30 more days on my phone? I get you. I said, okay, here, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm just trying to reach him, and I'm trying to help him. I'm trying to use that as an opportunity. I said, okay, here's the deal. I said, I'll put 30 more days on under this condition. The next check, I get $40 from you. And every month, every month, I get $40. I was going to pay it, and I was going to put a little money back and teach him what putting money back was. I was trying to do all that. So I put it on it, and three days later, he calls me up. He said, hey, listen, uh, he said, do you have another phone? He said, I got mad and threw that one against the wall. Now look up here. I, I don't want to spend more. I, I, I really want to get done. But do you think Jesus had any frustrations with 12 human beings that he picked? I know of one place. How long must I suffer thee? <laughs> That's what he called us to do. Were you any better when he dug you out of a pit? 
Were you something more than that? And I get, hey, you know what I did? I told him, he stopped by. I told him, I said, I, I said, you know the rule? You come to church. I, I'm telling you, we had, a, we had a meeting. Both him and his wife were there. I've never seen people. They were crying, but they would not trust Christ. But the conviction was worth it all. Him understanding the gospel was worth it all. Can I ask you a question? Look up here. You know what old prophets never have? They never have projects. Does anybody know what I'm talking about with a project? Do you, you ever had someone who's your project? Someone you're working on? Someone you're, and it's a long-term deal. Do you have one? Because most of the time, old prophets don't have projects. They just have farms. I hope you get what I'm saying. Don't stop getting The one marker about old prophets is they always give you messages they used to have. And nothing ever is new. Old prophets, they quit getting and old prophets quit growing. If you saw them four years ago, they're the same person. There's no growth. There's no development. There's no Christ doing something in them. Old prophets, they just quit handing tracts out and they quit witnessing and they quit... Broaching subjects. I, I heard Brother King, you know Brother King, Randy King, he's been here, right? I heard a message, he might appreciate it, I don't know, but I got the biggest kick. He, he said, and this is so true, he said, in every city that I go to, there's always a McDonald's. At that McDonald's, at 6.30 in the morning, he said, there's all these old guys that sit down to meet together and drink coffee and tell lies. It's true. Every city, there's these old guys that go to, he said, what I do is I'll go and I'll get my lunch or my, dip, my breakfast and I'll go over. He said, I'll find a spot and I'll sit down right there and I'll say, hi guys, sorry I'm late. And he doesn't know one of them. And they say, who are you? I'm Randy King. Are you from this area? Oh, no, no, I'm far away. What do you hear? I'm a preacher. I'm preaching a meeting. Watch your language, guys. And he just talked about, and we would say, God, would you give me a divine appointment? I heard those divine appointments, divine appointments, right? I don't think that was divine. I just think that was him making one. And old prophets never do that. And old prophets, old prophets never have projects. Someone they're praying for, someone they're working on. And old prophets are dangerous. And old saints are dangerous. And I don't want to be dangerous. One day, one day this man was out milking his cows or out hoeing his corn. His boys came home. They told him about something that reminded him of everything he used to be. And rather than getting on his face and say, God, I'm I'm sorry I've been derelict. He said, I think I'll just go spend some time with him and we'll share stories. Can I ask you a question? Would you be a benefit to a new believer? Or would you be the one that quenches a fire and quenches the zeal and settles them down? You know what we need? We need some old prophets and we need some old saints that act like a young one. How you doing? I think that's what these meetings are all about.
is letting the Spirit of God say, you know what? You're not where you used to be. You know what? You, you, just, you go through a week and there's no problem. You don't even talk to anybody. Don't witness to anybody. Uh, find Brother, Brother uh, Wells, preach that message. What a wonderful message on just going out. The problem is, is old prophets hear messages. They just never do anything with them. And you could today say, God, forgive me. I've heard some great preaching already this week. And I know I'm not going to do anything with it. Then why don't you decide to do something with it? Now, let's bow our heads, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed.